Taylor Cole Longacre, and welcome to Integrate All, the show that helps you make smarter decisions about technology for smarter living. Each week, we are with the integrator, and today we're talking about what you should know about hardware. Welcome, integrator. Thank you for having me. So I guess we'll dive right into it. Okay, let's do. <laughs> During the holidays, a top item on our list is a smart gadget. Definitely on my list. I love phones and appliances, speakers, earbuds, all of those things. But these items are being manufactured with embedded technology. Let's talk about that. Sure, absolutely. So with some of these things like um, your Alexa, your Google, your Josh, I don't know if you know about Josh. I don't know him, okay. who's he? <laughs> uh, Alexa and Google, those are your open platform. Josh is more of the uh, closed platform for people that are really concerned about having uh, bad actors come in through their technology. So Josh is actually a closed network. Okay, so these items, all of these gadgets, whether it's Alexa, Ring, all of those different mobile devices, our appliances, our speakers, they have embedded technology that's been added to them. How is that a problem? Well, it's a very good question. How that's the problem is, um, whenever you're starting to use your technology at the house or at the office, what it does is it opens up the doors for um, attackers to be able to go through the weakest link again. So for example, if you have Alexa and you have automatic door locks and someone comes in and says, Alexa, unlock the doors. Well, some of these things actually can be activated by light and sending a light through Alexa in order to have Alexa unlock your doors. So with these kind of technology, things that's happening like that, it opens up the doors for, if, so, if you can control it away from your house and you're not protected, or if you can control it away from the office and you're not protected, so can the attacker. Wow, okay, we need to know more about that. Now there's a type of hardware called managed switches, and I wanna know more about that. <laughs> what is it and what should we be looking for? Well, managed switch, um, a, a switch is just a it's a it's a device that usually has like eight ports. If you ever look at the back of your router, you'll see ports on the back. So those are the that's what we're that'll be the the focus point for you to get a visual. Okay. So at the back of the router, there's ports that's on the back. They look like phone cords, but they are actually a computer cords. And so a switch has multiple of those that's on the back. So the difference in switches, you have a managed switch and you have a regular switch. So a regular switch, or some people call them dumb switches. I don't like to use terminology like that. But a managed switch, what it does is allow you to um, uh, go deeply into what that actually port on that switch can actually do. Uh, for without getting into the weeds with tech, with uh, with engineering talk, I'll just call them tags. And what these particular tags would do is, if you wanted one, you only had one wire coming from across the building, and you had multiple things that you needed to have access, like a credit card machine, cameras, uh, uh, VoIP phone systems, 
what a tag will do is um, you have one line that goes into a particular, comes out of the router and goes into a switch. And what that switch would allow it to do is to be subdivided into different parts of the network. So the credit card machine would go one way, the cameras would go a different way, and the uh, and different parts would go different different to different areas of the network. So having said that is, but you have to have a router in order to do that as well. So if you have most route most routers that are third parties that doesn't come from the ISP internet service providers have those capabilities of dividing your network into um, separate networks. So those two pieces go hand in hand in order to help mitigate attackers from getting into your network. Okay. And most of us get our routers from, as you say, our internet service provider, whether that's one of those big companies, let's just say AT&T, Frontier, Verizon. Correct. T-Mobile even. Mm -hmm. All of those companies (laughs) provide those to us, but Mm -hmm. you could also buy a third-party router. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So it is highly recommended for people to get third-party routers, and the reason for that is because... You have um, what the what the ISPs give you is just something to work, and if it's not working, they can actually do their troubleshooting on their side, and um, what a and it would work until you start using a lot of devices. If you want cool things working concurrently in your house, then you will most likely see the little beach ball or a little circular thing starts to buffer. And a lot of people don't like to see that. Okay, that's slow speeds. No, I don't like to see that at all. It's, it's annoying to me. It drives me crazy. And I, the first thing I do, though, is I, I call the ISP back and say something's wrong here. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll, they'll tap dance around and they says, okay, well, we reboot your, we reboot your router. Uh, we have a, a technician come out and then they'll do a signal check and all of these things. And, they, and, and true enough, the signal may be good and uh, true enough that they may have rebooted your router, but the thing about it is the router is not capable of doing the kind of... Um, the kind of activities that the homeowner or the business owner is wanting it to do. For example, uh, we'll talk about, we'll say that the ISP router is equivalent to like a coffee stirrer. And if you're trying to drink a shake through a coffee stirrer, you're gonna have a lot of power trying to come through that little bitty hole. So uh, an enterprise or a business class router or enterprise class router is more or less like the big straw. So, or or for real, you can actually call it a fire fire hose. So the faster the data can come through that hose or the straw, the more information that you can get around your endpoints. Aha. So a lot of the ISPs are giving us the basics for basic home use and, frankly, I don't believe they work very long. <laughs> They're not necessarily intended to last. But I have a fire hose worth of data and things that I love to pull through at home. Mm-hmm. And so I need much more bandwidth or, I guess, a, a more robust router to get that done. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense then. Well, speaking of hardware, Integrator, years ago I purchased a 4-in-1 printer that did everything. This thing was, I, you know, I expected it to slice bread, but it wouldn't. But it did everything from printing to scanning to faxing. Yet when it broke, I was ready to throw it to the curb, literally. 
um, what what should I have done with that printer? And I see a lot of people who are just throwing out these devices or maybe they're having a garage sale or putting it up on a social media site in their marketplace and saying it's free for anyone who wants to take. I have a feeling you're not going to like this, but just tell me <laughs> what what is the problem with just throwing out like a 401 printer or smart device? Okay. That's a very good question. Um, for one thing is... Most people don't realize that these uh, these multifunctional printers and faxes, they have memory or hard drive that's located in them. And um, if they don't know that it's there, then they have no idea what information that they're giving away. Um, it could be if the company had one of these big fax machines um, and they wanted to donate it, they should remove the hard drive. There's a hard drive off in these big printers. And what happens is whenever you start to fax, it goes into memory and then it starts, it, it goes into memory and or the hard drive, so to speak. I use those interchangeably. Hard drive is actually memory. It's like a file cabinet, if you will. So whenever those that information goes into the memory, it stays there until you remove it or it's written over itself. So for the most part, you should remove any hard drives that you're going to, you should remove any memory or hard drives that's located in your computer, um, in your multifunctional printer is what we call them. Okay. And... Um, because and your mobile device. So if you turn your mobile device in, a lot of these companies like to give you another mobile device or so-called jump. And what happens is people, they'll say, okay, well, I'll just do a reset on my phone, but the data is still there. So it's recommended to do formats on your hard drives or or, or send it through like a... um, magnetic reader it's a it's a small version that looks like a uh, MRI but if if you don't know what those are then get with a a cybersecurity person that actually knows how to destroy the information uh, so you actually keep your information safe okay and that's you though you know how to, <laughs> to clean clean these things yes. up and to protect us as the integrator so this is great to know because again I I was wanting to throw that printer out mm-hmm. um, I've had numerous cell phones I was ready to just hand over to the phone company mm-hmm. to swap it out I'm ready to get that shiny new model and then they said okay yeah just bring it in Mm -hmm. and we'll load all of your information from one phone to the other and then you'll be ready to go up and running and that's a good point that you just brought up with that so let's say you get a brand new shiny new phone and whatever information was on that other one because you was feeling you may felt that your phone was running slow so what you could do is all of that, those information that's on that old phone goes over to the new phone. And if it's a bad actor that's in that old phone, it's coming over to the new one. So you still have the same problem as your phone may be slow, but it may not be as slow as it is until months later because you have a faster process. You have more memory and things like that. But people have to really pay attention to all of the apps that they have on their phones or their tablets in order to not bring them back over to the new device. Just kind of like having a disease and um, you clean yourself up and then one person comes and, and shakes your hand 
that's that's not clean and you take it back home and infect everybody else all over again. Yeah, the same thing. The dog still has fleas. You may take him out of the house and put him in another house, but he still has fleas. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, so we talked a bit about smartphones. Are there other reasons why a smartphone isn't so smart? Well, smartphones are are, are smarter than what you think. They're sometimes a little too smart. Um, And so with that point made is whenever the, the, the phone that you're using or the device that you're using... Um, that's why it's very imperative to have protection on those devices because these applications that are asking for permissions like your pictures, your messaging, your contact list and things just like that, you have to know if those are actually bad or good for you. So the only way you can do that is have specialty tools that actually go out and say, this could be a bad actor. Are you sure that this is what you want to use? And having said that is, these are devices that we actually use for our corporate uh, clients. Uh, Anytime that what we call BYOD, bring your own device, what that means is whenever you have your own mobile device or your tablet and you want to work from home or you want to work at the office, they would actually put certain tools on your phone in order to allow you to have access to the corporate network, so to speak. However, it's not really subdivided until you have all of the particular software. If most companies, well, I don't want to say most, but let's just say only a a handful of companies actually allow a uh, device to be commercially um, um, used and personally, and they have to have the proprietary software on these devices in order for them to be safe with company data. Okay. The company's looking out for its best interests, recognizing that we may have to work from home. Many of us are working from home, can't work in the office, but we need access to the network and all of our files and collaboration tools to be able to work together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so the, the big companies, the, the Fortune 500 companies, those ones usually have the... the um, the software on their employees' phones and things just like that. So what we try to focus on are the smaller businesses that need that same type of uh, service and put the same type of uh, software on these particular devices so they can actually go home and feel safe that their company data is actually covered. And yeah. yeah, they absolutely want to protect themselves and not open the business, the entire company up to exposure because of one bad actor, Mm -hmm. employee, (laughs) well-meaning employee who just happened to click on lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And speaking of clicking on things, um, that is one of the, um, we have like a training that actually, if someone doesn't know better not to open certain kind of emails, we have this little uh, training a training that uh, they have to watch a video, and in the event that they watch a video, they are so-called uh, trained. And uh, email, a phishing email, and we'll get into phishing emails. Okay. Uh, so a phishing email will be sent to that particular person that's already finished the training and uh, see if they would actually click on it. And if they click on it, they would have to watch another 15-minute video letting them know that they just clicked on a 
a, a fishing link that was part of their training that they just attended. So what that does is it makes people more aware of about just clicking on certain things. And, you know, some companies, they say, well, hey, if you, you might be our weakest link, and if you keep clicking on these, if you keep clicking on these links, we might have to do something a little different with you. So what that does, it gives the company more control over who may be the weakest link. May, may, they, they may not be knowingly doing certain, certain things that's like that, but nonetheless, when they click on certain things and the bad actors start to come in and it makes the company uh, go down, you have to have something in place in order to help mitigate that. You know, to that point, Integrator, I've noticed there are people, and sadly, it's the same people pretty often, that I get some spammy-looking email from them. I almost know not to open it, not to ever open their emails, because they always have, you know, I won this prize, or you must see this video, or click here for this, you know, gift. I've Mm got, I'm I'm in for a a big um, money service or there's always something there's some kind of really catchy headline mm-hmm. and there's never any text in the email in the body of the email it is a link it's usually something they want me to look at no hello no greeting yes. hardly anything yes. but there's a link in there they want me to go to and I'm like this doesn't look safe yeah that's a that's a good point on there and um, and and one of the one of the things I always try to stress is anything that you use that's free, which Gmail is free, uh, Hotmail is free, Yahoo is free, all of these things that are free, they have no protection, so to speak, in the background in order to help mitigate some of these links from coming to you. So as part as what I was saying about having layers of security, email is one of the biggest part of it. So. The email has to have, and when I say the email, I'm talking about a domain email that has any company name and not a Gmail or Hotmail or Yahoo type email. So what that does is anytime that someone has a domain, it goes, there's a particular um, uh, application that we use in order to have that email uh, deviate to um, a relay server. And what that relay server does is check to make sure that that email is coming from a a, um, registered domain name. So if it's registered, it'll come through. If it's not registered, you won't ever see it. So that helps mitigate a lot of people from clicking on the wrong things and a lot of uh, unnecessary emails coming through. So it's a bit of an investment, but it could be worth it for businesses and small business owners especially to go ahead and pay for an email service provider rather than simply going with one of the free ones like Yahoo and Gmail and and others. That is very, very true. And the emails are not very expensive either. So, um, you know, it's about a coffee, uh, Starbucks coffee. Really? And then you have an email, yes. Okay. And you have that additional protections that the free services don't provide. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk about this a bit more in future episodes, but audio devices are doing more than playing music. What are they actually listening to, or what are your concerns, Integrator, about audio devices? Well, the audio devices, as in... Um, 
some of these smart speakers, so-called smart speakers. Um, Alexa is considered a speaker too, and I keep and I don't want to keep beating up on Alexa, but Alexa is um, Alexa can be a weak leak on a lot of things whenever you have a network that you're actually trying to protect. So she's listening. She's playing music. She's recording things. Yes, all of the above. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so and um, so, having said that, is if something is constantly listening, um, what are they listening for? Are you actively wanting them to say things, or should they be quiet and and not listening? So that's kind of a that's kind of a gray area. That that may have to have its own show at one particular point. Okay. I'm talking about that. <laughs> and they're watching because I know that I bought a new model, and you can cover up the camera. My old model had no way to cover up the camera, and I put something there. But they're also watching because oh, yes. if there's motion, they can tell that you're there and so they'll they'll display something on the screen mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so it's good you know it has its place so if you if you are not at home and someone comes in and 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 uh, and it activates it then you want to see what's going on but when you're at home and you, you, that same thing is always activated so when you're at home and you you know being comfortable at home, however that may be, it's still watching and it's still listening. Yeah. Just the same way as the, it's looking for and acting for the bad actors. They don't know if you're the bad actor or not. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so this is all about hardware. We have talked about our phones, uh, multi-purpose printers, um, listening devices like those smart devices and speakers, Alexa, Google devices, Ring. Um, we've talked about our cell phones, smartphones. What other hardware, anything else in managed switches that we should know about Integrator? Um, whenever, I, what I've discovered is when people are starting to want some of these cool things in their house and they have the ISP router and they usually have it in a closet somewhere and then their Wi-Fi is not strong enough in order to get to the other side. So a Wi-Fi, you would want to look for things that's like an access point or we call them APs or mesh type uh, topologies and where the mesh topology would be is if you was to have a bowl of spaghetti and it's all not organized, it's just in a bowl, uh, what would happen in a, in a mesh topology is if you cut any one of those little uh, spaghetti, it would actually, with the mesh topology, it would actually go back and find the, the closest link in order to connect you so that you don't have much downtime or away from the Internet. Okay, so the purpose of that with the mesh is to make certain that you don't have downtime, you don't lose connectivity, and that you keep up and running. And can it reconnect in an instant? Yes, absolutely, within milliseconds. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So we want that. (laughs) We want that. We don't want to um, drop calls, drop our video conferencing, drop gaming, (laughs) keep it going. Absolutely. So that's one good thing you recommend is mesh? That is, uh, provided that the mesh is is, um, uh, hooked up properly. Okay. Yes. (laughs) All all meshes are not, uh, all meshes may not be created equally. So, again, everything that, if you're going to be using really cool stuff in your house, always look at things on the small business class 
uh, routers, uh, Wi-Fi, and things just like that. Because whenever you go to your big box stores, and your big box stores is what I'm referring to, is like your Best Buys, your Fries, and things just like that. They are meant for residential, but a lot of these routers can't support all of the video streaming and audios and everything that's going there concurrently. It'll do it for a while. It may do it for a year or two. And um, so if you invest in a good router, uh, and I'll just get, hop, hypothetically say, if, you, if you're going to spend $300 for a router, um, and it's and and you don't if you're going to spend three hundred dollars for a router, you spend two hundred dollars more and you have a business class router that has subscription to where you can actually protect um, the bad actors from coming in. And uh, those I would highly recommend people do their own research on that. If you don't know the research, then look into um, and look into the notes that we're going to have. That's right. The show notes will have some details on the types of routers that people should look for. Maybe some tips and information on things you shared today about hardware. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. But one big tip is look for the enterprise or business class. Routers. Routers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a good and a good starting point would be um, like you most likely you're not going to find a business class router that's going to be under four hundred dollars. So that's a good that's a good price point just to check into if it's two hundred fifty dollars. If it looks the same, why is it so cheap? Okay. (laughs) You can pay a little more up front and save on having to pay to have your systems cleaned up later or malware or vulnerabilities by simply investing a little bit more up front. That is absolutely correct. And some of the routers that we use, they have a limited lifetime warranty on them. So what that means is if you was to get one of our routers today, it would be future ready for at least 10 years. Okay. So all you have to do is just kind of take some of the um, modules out and replace them with something else, and you're ready to rock and roll. And that's what kind of gives it the lifetime warranty. For 10 years, then maybe they'll warranty it beyond that and replace, Uh which, of course, the technology is going (laughs) to evolve. We'll want something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) We'll want something Mm -hmm. else. Integrator, is there anything else you'd like to add today on everything we need to know about hardware? Um, no, I think we actually we actually went through quite a bit there. Okay, so. this is good to know. Be sure to check out the show notes for Integrate All, Smarter Technology for Smarter Living, and then we'll have another episode coming up soon. Thank you, Integrator, for joining us and for all these really useful tips. You, If you didn't hear our first episode, which is what you need to know about IT, be sure to go back to that one. Check out those show notes, too, because the Integrator will continue to give you all the great things you need to know about being smarter about technology. TV with TLC.